Three, two, one. Let's get into it. We're into it. Do it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Let's Get Into It. This is our end of the year holiday this show. It. This is our Christmas show. This is going to be a good one um, because it's a really good time to be grateful for all the things that you have in your life, for sure. Right? To really... Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. to really think about your health, your kids, if you have kids, your yeah. significant other. This show. This show, Davey Dave and uh, Teddy. You guys. Right? You know, I found too, Roberts, that like when I did start becoming more grateful about what I had and not bitching about what I didn't have, more things started happening for me. Right. You know, because I wasn't expending that energy on like, only if I had this or that. No, I was like, hey, dude, I got some cool shit going on. What about you, David? No, I feel the same way. I yeah. mean, I don't like to count. I'm, I'm usually very optimistic. Yeah. Like 98%. Yeah. Like that 2% creeps in. But usually I'm like, hey, man, I got air in my lungs you know yeah. I have people around yeah. me who love me yeah. I found you guys yeah. um, because you guys challenge me all the time which yeah. is no because I need that oh you that. are challenged yeah. because I need that mostly right. with that drive out <laughs> <laughs> in the rain yeah. we are we not too. we are not in Pink Taco today we're not we're not we're in La Casa de Roberts. That's right. This is nice. It's a beautiful it's really day nice. here, isn't it? I mean, Great it's just coffee, gorgeous. too. Oh, yeah. By the way, we Delicious. had a little bit of French press. Yeah. Can't um, get this at Access, uh, Teddy. No, no. I, I mean, Roberts dude. can. I can get it so, at Access. David, Dave, are you familiar with the ongoing uh, coffee thing at Access? I think it's hilarious, man. Access has a green room. That is beautiful. I don't know the lady's name, but you walk in there and the light is dimmed to like the perfect level. Yep. You've got Sinatra playing in the background yep. softly. Fireplace she's, going. She's got a corner. fireplace. There's a piano in there. You've got like uh, the different levels of food. So you've got like ver- everything's vertical. Yep. So everything's standing up maybe a foot. And then you have like these delicious Great little snacks, cakes and snacks and fruit. And then she has uh, this never ending tree of, of cups. And the cups are nice and round. You know, they could fit yeah. about 16 ounces in them. They're yeah. not Perfect. eight ounce cups. Good you know? weight tub, too. Yeah. Nice and heavy. And you can tell she takes care in the coffee. Like, she grinds the coffee. Yeah. It smells good in it there. It smells yeah. good in there. So, yeah. long story short, I say to Tootie, let's go have a cup of coffee one day. <laughs> and I turn <laughs> to the green room, and he turns down the hall. <laughs> and I was like, wait, <laughs> hey, hey, oh, oh. I was like, where are you going, man? Let's go in the green room because there's really wonderful <laughs> atmosphere in here. <laughs> it's beautiful. And he says, and you know, the coffee out here is just as good. And I'm looking at like this K-cup. On the cart. Four-year-old coffee maker made by Krups. And I'm thinking, what? No, no, no. Paper no. cups. Dude, have you, I said, have you been in this room? I go, it's like, it's a, it's like a, a spa. <laughs> And he's like, no, 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 it's good out here. It's good. Come, Roberts, come on. It's good out here. It's, it, look, come here. I'll show you. I was like, no, I'm not going that way, dude. So I turn right and I go into the green room and I think he'll just follow me automatically because, you know, when you turn around and just go, you figure whoever you're with is just going to go out. Ah, well, go All right, fine. So I go get my coffee. I say hello to the lady. She's kind. I say, is it okay if I take the cup out of the room? Sure. Take the cup. Just make sure you bring the cup back. I said, sure, I'll bring the cup back. So I walk out and... Titties 50 yards away <laughs> Down the at hall. a Krups machine, right? <laughs> Opening like the little thing and putting it and he gets his coffee. And he's walking down with this 
rickety six ounce <laughs> Dixie cup. Dixie cup. It's actually eight, but okay. And I'm sitting there with my imported, imported ceramic. ceramic. The steam's coming up in my face. I'm practically getting a facial from it, like a coffee facial. And I look over at Tootie, and he's walking down, and like, and as he's walking, like the coffee spilling out of the. <laughs> There's no stir. There's no stir. Oh. It's it's hot as hell, but it's burnt. It's, it's like horrible. So we have a very funny uh, joke running that uh, that he cannot go in that room. And and just to, just to finalize that story, you theoretically you can't go in that room because it's for, not for you. It's not for crew, right? No, it's it? not for crew. But I, the lady's cool. Like if I went in there and like I've gone in there before, and, oh, you're taking you, you you're know. telling a tall tale. I know, you can't but it's just kind of like otherwise you would have gone in there. Yeah, but I just don't want to make it a habit because if I go in there and get coffee, I'm sure she would. But if I could, I would only be able to do it one time. Rio's going to hear about it. He'd be like, yeah. hey, fucking Tootie, you can't go in there. Dude. Well, no. Well, of course, he sends it. Hey, Tootie, go in the thing and just give me a bu-. I go, dude, I'm not going to go in there and get, get you a plate of food, dude. You understand? He's like, no, it'll be fine, dude. You're making a big deal. Mario Lopez tells you to get in there and get him some food. But you can't go in and say, I'm getting it from Mark because she'll look at you like you're lying. Yeah, well, I could probably do it every once in a while. Hey, you know, this is for Lopez. But if I went in there and said, Hey, how you doing? You know, I got a cup of coffee. And hey, some but if you're listening, you just have to picture like this beautiful, like <laughs> heavenly so room that you walk in and you immediately feel ten pounds lighter. You feel like the cares of the world are gone, yeah. and they, and then this delicious coffee and Tootie can't have it. He'll say, uh, randomly. I'll be at home and I'll get a text message. I'll look and it's it's his mug holding a cup blowing into it like so, so delicious but it was like i i would i it, looking at you down the hall with a dixie cup oh cup of coffee was like looking at someone in like the dead of winter while i'm inside with a with a fireplace and a cardigan sweater on like <laughs> it's, 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 is it kind of like uh remember um what was the movie with Dan Aykroyd and Andy Murphy? Trading Places? Yeah. When he, it was exactly when he's, like when he's that. You're homeless. And he's outside. He's all, and he's looking inside at the party going right. on. Yep. Yes. It's, it's exactly like what so it looked stupid. like. Um, moving on. It is the holiday season. It's Christmas movies. So let's talk about what our favorite Christmas movies are. I'll start. Go ahead, David. Like, Dave. <clears throat> my, my top three are going to be Die Hard. And I don't care if anybody says it's not a okay. Christmas movie. You guys can fight me. Right. Um, <laughs> and then we'll go um, uh, Christmas Vacation. Nice. Okay. And of course, Home Alone. Yeah. Does um, Bruce Willis say "ho ho ho"? But here's no. But Alan Rickman does. Oh, he does. He goes. Uh, now I have a machine gun. Ho ho ho. ho. But doesn't really? he, he say "ho ho ho, mother effer"? Um, no, yippee ki yay. Oh, that's not the same. Oh, come no, on. That was that's legendary, but it's yeah. not the same. But is it a Christmas movie? Yeah, yeah, it is. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, 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 no, no, there's no question. Fight, there's no question that it happens during Christmas. Exactly. It happens during Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so what I want to know, which we'll never know, but this is a good conversation for writers and producers out there. There's a very good chance that the guys that made that movie thought the Christmas movie gave them all more excuses to get into trouble right because it's christmas you've got everyone at the christmas party the executives everyone's locked into this room yeah um there's no one around security's a little lax they're bringing in presents all day long bags and bags of stuff so you know easy way to get in weapons probably Mm -hmm. why did he come to the coast because it's holidays off so he had to come visit his kids go see his ex-wife that's right in a fight with his ex-wife about christmas right so that is a christmas movie Wrapped in an action film, which it probably entertained and sold all over the world. Oh, I'm sure. You know, so yeah, that's well, a good was huge one. At that time, he's still big. What were the other two? Uh, Christmas Vacation. 
Which, yeah, everyone I loves Christmas I walked out on the vacation. plane ride a couple hey, dude, years ago. No one understands what you're saying with a Christmas cookie in your mouth, <laughs> no. dude. <laughs> no trips. Christmas cookies. I got to go Christmas cookies Italian out. Christmas cookies. Those I'm pretty delicious. sure those, yeah, those like have 350 calories oh, in them. Oh, dude, you. Well, I'm starving. What do you want me to do? <laughs> um, so, like, Christmas vacation is like a staple in our, yeah. in our family for... You know, since it came out, yeah. that's neat, and we recite those lines. You know, yeah. Dude, say so the blessing. Hilarious, you know, great. And then Home Alone, of course. Home Alone, that one's classics. But those are classics. Super classic. I, I mean, the one out of the box one is definitely Die Hard, but it is absolutely a Christmas movie. Yeah. So, what about you, man? What are your Christmas movies? My top three, in this order: three, A Christmas Story. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Mm. Come on. Mm. Sentimental. Me and my brother used to watch it all the time because mm-hmm. it would loop. And we didn't have. Cable. Do you still watch it? I don't because we don't we don't watch TV at my house. It's a different story. All right. uh, next, Frank Kappa, A Wonderful Life. Oh, Frank Kappa, It's a Wonderful. That's going to be my number one. Yeah, yeah, I didn't mean to jack you. That's right. My f- number one movie, A Family Man. Has anybody seen it? Yeah. Wait, who's in that? Nick Cage. Nicholas Cage. It was it's, one of my dad's favorites. Is it? Was it mm-hmm. really? Yeah. Is that yeah. the one where he gets the opportunity to be married to the woman that he wasn't married to? Is that it? Yes. Oh, okay. So it is, he's an investment banker, Wall Street guy, living the life in New York, and he ends up seeing what it had been like if he had not if he'd gone the other way. Um, Those so. are always great. That's sort of the plot of It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Those are great movies. I... Like you, Tootie, uh, my number one film is It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. I didn't, I don't think I watched It's a Wonderful Life until I got into my 30s. Like, I don't know that it was of interest to me. You know, like, I didn't watch movies like that. Um, But when I watched it, I remember crying like a baby, like uncontrollable sobbing when I, when I finished watching that movie the first time. So now every year... I watched that film during Christmas because there's a certain grateful feeling that you get from watching a film like that. You really, I don't know. There was something about how Capra did that. Sure. You can't take Hello. away from Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart sells the hell out of that. And and when he's in that bar saying, you know, God, sh- I'm not a praying man. Show me the way. Show yeah. me. The-. I mean, it is so emotional that I can't help but choke up because that's a prayer that re- resonates, you yeah. know, with a lot of people. And I think that particular scene takes you to another level of the film and then of course the ending when everyone yeah spoiler alert <laughs> the now ending tonight, when everyone helps him out <laughs> okay if you haven't seen it since 1934 big question but i can't i but i don't have another one that's, that's it? it that's oh, it wow. yeah i mean i like others i like vacation i like a lot a lot of christmas vacation i like a lot of other films but that is one that i actually have in my collection like do, I you watch, do you still watch it every year oh, wow. every year what yeah. about holiday and handcuffs i do not <laughs> and and full disclosure i've never seen it i haven't either Fez, come on man um, <laughs> um so, so wait question for you tonight i gotta wrap gifts when i get home um i'm gonna a watch waste movies of time. I, know, I have to though um, no, dude. Don't wrap do I, and just throw them in the Ralph's bag. And no, put you them can't in. do that. You can't <laughs> do that. Remember back in the day? I remember back in the day we would just use newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> do you remember that? Yeah. Do whatever you want. Wrap it however you want. Oh, boat. I got your gift. Hang on a second. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. It's in my room. Here it is. Here it is. <laughs> um, but getting back to Christmas movies. If you're making, how many Christmas movies are you making right now, Robert? Well, I'm not, I'm not making any yet, but I'm in development with Mario on a film called Feliz Navidad at Lifetime, which we're currently working on the script with Peter Marietta and his wife, Lisa. You guys had a good meeting the other day. We had a great meeting. Um, 
But I want to talk for filmmakers out there, producers, directors, writers. I kind of want to talk about how the market is for Christmas movies in case you want to get in it. Because the market is wide open. Yeah. The thing is, you have to be smart. If you're a young filmmaker, you have to be smart about your dealings in this arena because Lifetime does them a certain way. They have commercial breaks. Netflix does them a certain way. They have zero commercial breaks. Um, Hallmark has commercial breaks. So if you have a great idea for a Christmas movie and you write it or you have a great writer write it, and then you go to a streamer or a network or whatever, and someone says, we want to buy it, there's a very good chance, and I'm not saying every time, okay? I'm saying there's a very good chance that nine out of ten times, you're not going to get to produce that movie the way you want to produce it. And I'm going to say this because it's true. There is a system and an average budget to the Lifetime movies, to the net. Netflix movies to the freeform movies to all of these movies unless you're Kurt Russell or someone who sold a big Christmas movie like Elf yeah then those are different that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about the hundreds or so movies that they're making on streamers and networks every year that are all budgeted under two million dollars somewhere near one and a half sometimes um, and you go in and you sell it you're not going to get rich no what it's going to be is an opportunity to get to know these companies. If you sell it directly to them, they might say, we need you to work with a producer we've worked with because they know the breaks. They know how to lifetimeize this movie or they know how to hallmarkize this right. movie or they know how to Netflixize this movie, right? Because these networks have their own special secret sauce. Now, you wrote a script or you're buying a script that's a Christmas movie and you don't know who it's going to yet. So do you recommend then for writers to find kind of like well where am i going to take this where- i'm telling you specifically i think if you i don't think you groom it for any network i think you go into a network and when they say like we really like this mm-hmm. but we need more romance we need less this it's too big in scope we're going to have to you know stick bring to the it formula yeah. yeah i mean we're we're being asked to eliminate characters, entire characters, because there's just too many characters in the movie. We need to up the level of the female part in our movie because it's Lifetime. Lifetime is about female mm. movies, right? right? Female storylines. Uh, not always and not completely 100%, but definitely it's got to be equal to the male starring character, right? Yeah. You've got to have enough in there that is feel good yeah. about the romance and the female character and the male character, they have to be equal. So if you think about that as a producer, if you think I'm going to team up with someone, I'm not going to be Scorsese on this. It's not your independent film that you're going to get to control and do whatever you want. You're going to work with someone. You're going to meet some people, meet some executives, meet some directors, writers. You're going to make a step forward in your career by just being part of it and being the catalyst behind it happening. But you may not get to produce it the way you want to produce it for a while. Yeah, like yours, Teddy. I mean, would you be comfortable and say, hey, if they did buy it, hey, well, we have to change... Um, everything. Everything about it. No, I'd tell them to go screw it. No, I'm joking. <laughs> of course I would, dude. Well, I'm just saying, I think that if you're listening and it's of interest to you, if, it, if it's a thriller, 
if it's a Christmas movie, which they're making lots of, go high concept with it. Either go to a writer or pitch it to a company that's doing a bunch of these movies for the networks already and make it easy on yourself, you know? Come up with the best ideas you, you can come up with. Team up with other companies that are doing what you want to do yeah. and learn from those companies. And maybe a few films down the line, you'll be that company handling those movies. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Christmas movies, you just have to be smart about, about where you're going with them as a producer. You have to understand that the business is already running and it's not going to stop everything just because you have a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is good coffee. We got good coffee um, over at Robert's. But I'll give you I'll give you the anatomy of the deal that I have that you were asking about. I'll give you, the name of the movie is called Feliz Navidad. Okay? Dad. It's called Feliz Navidad, father, right? And Mario has been doing films in this arena for a while and they've been successful. Like what if we produced them? What if we came up with ideas that were Latino that had yeah. art that looked like us? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he said, "Okay, let's do it." And I said, "Okay, well, let's do it." And he goes, "Well, okay, so what's the idea?" I said, "I don't know. What's, what do you think the idea? I don't know. What do you think? How hard could it?" He says, "How hard could it be?" He goes, "Okay, here you go. Single dad, hates Christmas, falls in love um, with somebody because his daughter sets him up." And I said, "And and I said that sounds great." He goes, "Yeah, and let's let's use the the song Feliz Navidad for." The uh, for the basis to the story, since it's a Latino name and could be cool. And then somehow we came up with Feliz Navidad and that what I just said and the name of that song and then the, the new title ended up becoming the catalyst behind the idea. Did we have more than that? A little bit. Did we know exactly how the story went? No. Did we know who the characters were? No. Mm. Did we go to some writers and say, Exactly what I just said as yep. a pitch. Yes. And those writers started figuring out what the storylines were. So we took pitches from various writers based on that storyline. What's that? They let me pitch them. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Can Tootie pitched that? us I, an idea. Yeah. Tootie and Cessna. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cessna. Based on your idea. Cessna. Based on my idea. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Cessna. Yeah. He, Cessna wants to do it. Like even these, these guys passed. He's like, dude, I'm going to take this out and chop it. He's doing a lot of movies, We didn't right? pass because it was bad. We passed because there was something that felt a little bit more uh, connected uh, to the story that we, ha- that we were it's thinking right. about. We'll just go out and make it. I'm going to go one step further for the people that are listening that go out and raise their own money. Um, we actually went to an investor and said, we'd like you to invest in the script. You don't have to invest in the movie because that's millions of dollars. Let's invest in the script. And if something happens, you get paid a premium for the script for that money. And then we will give you an option to fund the movie if you want. And if we can find another funder, then we'll just pay you for the part that you did participate on. Okay, hold on. With that said, going back to the conversation earlier where you said each place has their own format. Lifetime likes this, you know, free form wants this. Now, Amazon where you could just put up your movie because you're doing your stuff right there. Could you do exactly what you just said with an investor, fund the movie, fund the script. If they like it, then they fund the film. And then you put your own Christmas movie up on Amazon. You could do that potentially, right? Yeah. So you could still kind of, as an independent filmmaker, control your product. Yeah, but I have to, yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The problem I see, and this is totally personal, people can disagree um, because I would disagree if I was 20. But 
the problem with putting up your own movie is that you are now working outside of the system. Do you want to be part of Hollywood or do you want to be on the outskirts of it doing your own thing? Well, you want to be in it. Yeah. You go, you get an investor to fund the script. You get a great writer. Everyone passes. You ask them to fund the movie. They fund the movie. You make it. You put it up on Amazon. Yeah. Now, there are a lot of films on Amazon that get that are done like that that don't make any money. And it's not the fault of the movie, but it's the there's no marketing. You have no marketing, real marketing for that. There's nowhere for people to understand except for like the 500 people that are following you on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, but then what? It so down to the marketing. Well, there's no marketing and look, that's true. In my older age, I, as an older producer, I would say I don't want to make a movie that the networks don't want to make. I don't want to make a movie that I send a script and then the studios say, you know what? It's not this. It's not that. If I agree with those comments, if I agree with the coverage, I'm going to not make that movie. I don't care how much I like it. If I agree with the pass, I'm passing because, then I won't make it. I can't make that. I can't take that risk anymore. What you're you're telling me, it's come down to the marketing. It's those, complicated. Those studios have the marketing dollars to get it out there. And this is my opinion. It may not be absolutely true because the industry is changing so fast every day. But I would say that it's harder now to make independent film than it ever was. And it's mainly because, you know, back in the day, you could sell your film on video, on DVD. You can yeah. guarantee a sale to, to Blockbuster. You can guarantee a sale to Hollywood Video. I don't know if you guys remember those places. but There's only can, one Blockbuster left. It's in Oregon. Right. But, uh, but, yeah, you could guarantee sales to those guys. You can guarantee sales on DVD, you know, with companies that were plugged in. Yeah. And you could tell your investor, I'll give you you'll you'll make 50% back, but we're gambling on the rest of it. Yeah. And then you went out and you and you and you, you know, worked your butt off. Now there's a system that you can still make your movie, sell it overseas, get a big star, you know, try to make your money back that way. That still exists. Yeah. But now that you have all the streamers making this many movies every year, you've got an influx of movies that are being made in the million, million and a half, two million, two point five yeah. million dollar range. And they're being funded by real companies that are going to put it on their yeah. platform. So there's not as big a need for the independent film unless it's perfect, unless it's absolutely a juggernaut. Yeah. Like if people know it based on a book, based on a hit TV show, based on a YouTuber that has 30 million followers, yeah. then you got something immediately but if you don't and it's just an idea it's just gonna be a good movie with a bunch of actors that people don't know yeah. it's gonna be very difficult to sell that i'm sorry i, I it's just the it's the truth yeah. uh that no independent filmmaker wants to hear all right thank you for listening merry christmas <laughs> merry, merry christmas. christmas and you know what a happy new year to you too now go make your movie you dumb no, it's no, it's complicated. No, no. It's it is complicated. very complicated. It's always complicated, but that's why we keep fighting. I don't think it's complicated, which is overcomplicated. It's really simple. It's, it is very yeah. simple. I think that if you're listening and you take some of what that advice is, I don't want people to think that they can't go out and make what they want and make a difference in the world, but you've got to be realistic. If you want to work in the system that's functioning right now, think about if you're an executive and someone comes to you with an idea and that person's never made a movie before or they've made a couple or they work in reality, but now they're going into scripted. You want them to succeed. You like their idea. You're going to connect them with someone else. You're obviously going to make less money 
because the expert in that field is going to make most of the it's just green. Putting, it's just putting that uh, artistic ego aside. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. yeah. If you, if you like going back to your idea, you go make a movie. It's not perfect. You don't love it, but you made it in three in th- in five months. It got made, and by the next three months, it was on TV, and you were enjoying the light of doing something positive. And all of a sudden, people are turning to you, going like, "Wow, you're doing stuff. Let's work together." And you have other things to do. So in the mat, in, instead of complaining for two years about like my movie didn't get made properly, yep. you can turn it. Until you made three movies in that yeah. time, and maybe one of those is great. Well, you know what? Funny you should say that. <laughs> You're eating again. Oh, well, <laughs> um, it's not clear. I don't. I can't hear you. I need to hear everything. It's you're funny saying. you should say that, Robert. Uh-huh. Um, that people. Well, I, I don't want to go back on what I've said on the podcast before. I think that working and doing stuff independently and getting people to trust you and to do more of that within that world is a good thing because it you hone skills you work with crews you work with cameras you work with directors you work with writers you're in there trying to learn the trade while you do the trade and a lot of us sort of get in the business that way like you don't come out of film school right a lot of us just get into it so i think that it's good that you continue to work with people that are willing to spend their money on independent films whether they're shorts or not um but you have to ask yourself look it's the end of 2019. You have to ask yourself what 2020 is going to look like. Is it going to look like scrappy, raising money, making shorts, trying to do films that are indie out of the system and then go to Sundance and sell it? Or is it going to be a year of working to get together with other production companies that are making many, many films a year for these streamers, for this, you know, the studios is hard. They're, they're only making Marvel stuff now. Yeah. You know, you got to find the places that are doing like the indie uh, coming of age movies, if that's what you're into, or some dramas. And I'm not, look, I'm not speaking out of school. I did a film that went to Sundance. Yeah. You know, I did a film where I sold at Sundance. I've been to many of the film festivals. I've done independent films that I made all by myself with a bunch of money from somebody else and then not sold those films. So I've been there. I, if I had to do it again, I would have spent most of my time trying to work within the system, not trying to prove that I should be in the system because you never prove it. Some people do, but it's not, it's one out of 10 people that do that. See, I just feel like it's hard to get in the system. Not if that's what you're focused on. Team up with people, get your ego out of the game and figure out how to make deals on the ideas that you have. Don't take anything personal. If some, if everyone passes on your idea, get, come up with another one. Find out why they passed on yeah. it and try to add that element to your next pitch. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's I, my, I mean, that's I, my opinion. I, I, I think, like I said. I like that idea. I like that approach. But I feel like people, like say, for instance, I took that route. And, and you know, it would come down to the same thing. Like, who is he? What has he done? Why do we need him? Let's take his idea. Let's make it. No, we'll give not, you a story not everyone does that. But not, then well, but that's then true. Then that's going to happen. continuously like, okay, you got the story by title. Cool. My foot's in the door. Then I do something else. You know what I, I mean? Know. Like, how do you? That's if how do you break it? How if, do you? How do you become somebody in that business? If then? you're listening and you are struggling with this exact question, you have to decide: Are you willing to risk it all on red? Yeah. For you to potentially have the clout to be the one that a studio or executive goes to. To say, okay, you're not story by, you're written by, and you're producer of the movie, go. Like, that's not going to happen that often. No. 
you're going to have to be Rodriguez or Tarantino. Because I can't name another person that's done that and that people are like, holy mackerel, like we're not even going to be able to touch this. Go do what you yeah. want to do. If you are a person that just wants to make some money, have ideas and grow into that position, grow into the producer position, grow into the director position, then take the associate producer credit on your mm-hmm. first idea. Yeah, it's your idea. So what? But do, will they even give you that? That's I don't know. Well, is. we're talking about a fictitious whole deal. But yeah. if I if. If I was to tell you that there's a like more it's of a just chance, such a tight group, and they're, it's like a it's like a club, but and we're, you're trying to get in the club, and they're like, "Oh, what's your idea? Oh, that's a good idea. We like that." But <laughs> close the door. Close the door. We, we, we got idea. it. Hey, so that that was pretty good. Let's take it. Let's do it. You know, let's change this. That may it happen. It, that it, may it happen all the time, and it may and happen. Then you're you know you're outside the door. So you're willing to put it all on red on yourself. <clears throat> No, I'd like to work in that in in that format. Then like you have to, to get rid of the conversations that include you being your idea being stolen. You know, you have to negotiate yourself ahead of time. Like if you start with I'm going to be the producer of this movie and they all say okay, there's a very good chance that you'll negotiate yourself at least some level of producer credit. Right. Right? And if you don't, how many more ideas do you have? You can't survive in this business with one, one idea. idea. No. You've got to have a bunch of ideas. You've got to have 10, 20, and you've got to be willing to pull them out at different levels. Oh, over here, I'm doing an indie, and you're going to pay for it? Okay, I'm producing it. I'm the producer. Oh, over here, we're going to do it with Lifetime, and they don't need me, and I'm not really part of that deal, and I'm going to get a consultant or consulting producer credit? Fine, I'll take that. Let's yeah. go. What, what do I get paid? Oh, you get 25 grand. You get paid 20 grand. You get paid 10 grand. You get paid 100 grand. Like, you don't know, right? Yeah. You have no idea. I can tell you that these budgets are lower now, yeah. and they're acceptable to the TV terms. Why? Because you have better cameras. You have airy, yeah. Aries out there being rented for less. You've got beautiful um, uh, shots being shot in low light. You can shoot a movie Drones. with less, less crew. You, you can shoot a movie with less crew now. So are the budgets coming down? Yeah. And are they being accepted as broadcast quality movies? Yeah. So get get with the idea that if you're an indie, you can do, you can do it all. Me personally, I'm kind of... It would have to be a unique situation, a unique script for me to go raise money and do an indie not connected to anything because yeah. I feel like it takes up lots of years of your life and I just don't want to work that way anymore. If I was 20, I would do it. Right. And I did do it for many, many years. I did yeah. indies and I did them the way I had to do them. Some sold, some didn't. Um, so just to get off of this subject, but I think it's super important. I think we covered the whole thing. Yeah, we did. You need to decide what your 2020 is going to look like. If it's going to look like you want to work within the system, you want to be a filmmaker inside, then accept smaller, uh, credits, move your ideas up the ladder, do more, do more movies so that you can say, I did this last one. I was associated on the last one. I'm, I'm not going to take less than a producer on this one. So you have some clout or level you know if yeah. you've done indies like you Tootie, if you've done indies where you were producer director then you can step in at a diff- with a different bargaining chip you can say look i've yeah. done i've done three indies i've been to film festivals i've done a full feature yeah. you know i've done stuff so i'm not a novice you know yeah. i need to get my uh, i need to get a decent credit on this you can have the idea but i need a decent credit and and, and part of the producer pool money and a little bit of back end and then you and then you start negotiating your deals and moving forward but you're not going to just there is this amazing thing about show business that it, it requires a collaboration. Yeah, some producers get a stranglehold on making the money. They do. They know how to do it. They, they're trusted. They know how to pad here and there and make their dough. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Get in, on the, get in on the wave. 
get your ideas out there. Get your movies made. Don't get stuck on what credit you have to have. Just keep think working. Big think yeah, big you got to think big picture. Yeah. All right. So well, that was a great conversation about about product and uh, what you're going to do in the year 2020. Um, I know what you guys are going to be doing in the year 2020. What's that? Cinco de Mayo. You're going to be coming to the premiere of Made in Mexico. Uh, so the year's ending. Where, where did you end the year with Made in Mexico? Um, I'm shipping off. Probably in the next like day or two mm-hmm. to Joel C. High. So then music's going to start music, happening. Sound design. Terrific. So you're locked on picture? Yeah, pretty much. Nice. Congratulations. With the exception of a couple Great. little. You're yeah. a good example of what I'm suggesting other people do. If you haven't done it or haven't done a lot of it, just keep doing it. Keep willing, be willing to collaborate. You know, I, I was reading Bob Iger's book with my wife, and it's pretty remarkable because he talks about how he bought Star Wars. And Lucasfilm. And let me tell you, I don't want to go into a lot of detail because people should listen to this book or at least read it. Um, the name of the book is Right of a Lifetime, written by Bob Iger about his his journey, his journey as CEO of Disney. But I want to talk about this specifically because it'll relate to what we've been talking about. He went to Lucas after buying Marvel, after buying Pixar, went to Lucas and said, would you be open to selling Lucasfilm? Lucas said, yeah, but I want the Pixar deal or the Marvel deal. So Bob Iger is very adamant about saying he had to be honest with him or he knew he would lose the deal. So he was like, look, I can't give you creative control of anything because the board's not going to allow it. And we're not going to pay $4 billion for your company to give you the ability to do whatever you want. Right. Like That's not how Disney works. Right. Disney works. We own it. We control it. We decide who makes it. We decide the storylines that happen. So they agreed. And I don't know if you've noticed, but George Lucas is pretty bummed about the movies, about the storylines, about... Oh, is he? Yeah, he's not happy. Because what happened was, is they came in... What happened was... What happened was... What happened was... um, Your Honor, what happened was... um, It's a remarkable success story what he did with star wars and now disney had to take over and unfortunately as a creator and as a filmmaker he just was not consulted in the way that he would have liked to be consulted but isn't that something i mean think about this if you were george lucas and you had created one of the biggest franchises of all time maybe the biggest you get bought by disney you get a bunch of money but you are not the driving force behind any of the ideas and we don't have any and that's obligation. Been your we have no obligation to go with what you're saying. The last thing I'll say about this, which I think is really important, which is what connects to what we're talking about. It happens at every level. It happens at every level. But what George Lucas was doing probably pretty good before the four billion. I mean, did he need the four billion? Did he need like so he he? I don't want to say. I don't even think it's out. about the money, dude. I think it's about the creative. Well, no, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like it's it's really not about the money because he was doing. I, I doubt he was going to lose his. Everything. No, he. I but think it. Did it, he sell out? It is was, that what it is? It, it was more money than he could ever have imagined. I think it's more money than anyone ever needs. Really, four yeah. billion dollars. Um, it paid off big time for Disney. But then look at the other side. You have to put on the hat of the person that you're dealing with, the executives and the companies that you're dealing with, and what they are. What's at stake for them right. by doing your films? What Disney had to do was take this IP. And make sure that they didn't offend every single Star Wars fan by doing 
crazy stuff like what George wanted to do, which was bring in new characters, new worlds, really give them something different. Well, what did Disney say? Well, dude, if we do that, then they'll blame it on Disney that we changed everything. Right. So there was this argument Uh, about... What could well, we do? What could we not do? What could we do? What can we not do? George wanted to give new worlds, new ideas. I'm with Disney now. Let's create a new thing. Yeah. Let's let's go off to other things Galaxies. and new characters. Yeah. And Disney was like, we're going to do three right here because yeah. we need to sh- sh- prove to the fans that we're not here to change this. We're going to give them what they want and they're going to be happy about it. Maybe it's not going to be a critical success, but give them a little different look here and there. I just watched the other Star Wars last night and uh, I was really satisfied with it as a fan of Star Wars. There was some new stuff in it, but for the most part, it just followed the same storyline and it was very satisfying. Disney had to do the right thing for their shareholders by entertaining new Star Wars fans, by giving them the stories of the past so that the new so that the parents of those Star Wars fans could also come in and enjoy the yeah. film. So I think they did in hindsight, they did the right thing. They played it safe. They played it safe. They picked up probably twelve billion dollars in the process. They paid four for the for the movie. But that's the whole idea, right? Wow. The whole yeah. idea is for them to make money on what they're buying. And it's what I will all levels. What I will say about Disney, which I think is terrific, is that they stand behind the things that they buy and they go they go neck deep in trying to sell it and they care about the audiences that care about those franchises. Um, A lot of people buy stuff and don't take advantage of it. Disney's not that company. So Lucas should just go create something else. You know, I understand, but he he didn't have to take the $4 billion. He didn't. He could have just said, you know what? I'm good, Disney. But who doesn't want Disney to protect your legacy, dude? I mean, they've got, they've got, you know, Star Wars movie is going to be coming. They've got the the Mandalorian, Mando. Yeah, that thing. You know, killing it. You got right? Baby Yoda killing it. I mean, Disney's just taking care of the legacy and making sure that it's going to live on way, way beyond George Lucas's lifespan. Right. So that's a that's what he sold his company for, and I think Bob Iger and everyone involved with that is taking care of Did that. They legacy. let him have a little bit of a say. Yeah, no. they consult him, but they consult he, but him. bottom line is he's not the decision maker. Yeah. So he was bummed when J.J. Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy and uh, and Lawrence Kasdan came in and met with him because Bob didn't set him up. He didn't say like, oh, by the way, we're not using any of your ideas. Just FYI. He didn't say that. So they went into the meeting. J.J. threw his ideas out. And he was like really pissed. Wow. So. If you're interested in hearing how Marvel happened, how uh, the sale for Pixar happened, um, the sale of George Lucas and Star Wars happened. We, I'm just at the part where he's buying Fox. Oh, so that's crazy. in his tenure, yeah. he bought four of the biggest companies in the world in entertainment, and they're and they're really taking over the world. So it's it's a really cool book. And if you think about your life and your future, your future as a filmmaker is huge. So collaborate. Take lesser credits once in a while. If you can get the big credit, then you'll get the big credit. Yeah, if you no can't, go, go participate. Be someone who's valuable in a project. Yeah. I think that's important. Yeah. Something else to connect to the Christmas spirit and the Christmas time. If you're a filmmaker and you're making movies about Christmas or you have a scene about Christmas, there are songs in the public domain that you can use for zero dollars. Uh, you have to record your own version. You can't use someone else's version because then you have to pay for it. Like if you recorded a version, Tony, yeah. and I, and I want to use that when we have to pay you. Perfect. That's right. That's but I can't. Up. But I don't have to pay for the song itself. So here's some of the songs that are available to you as a filmmaker. Like your character could sing it. Um, Angels we have heard on high. You're talking for Christmas movies. Christmas movies. Yeah. Uh, you've got All Lang Syne. 
That's kind of fun. That's in um, It's a Wonderful Life. Um, we've got Deck the Halls. Feliz Navidad is not. In the what? I've been listening to that right now at home. The first Noel is in is in public domain. Not the second. Not the second Noel. <laughs> no. Um, Jingle bells, joy to the world. All of these songs are public domain. You can record them or have your character sing them in your movie and not have to pay a dime for it and feel like you spent a little bit of money. Not everyone knows this, but if you go online to Google and see like what are the songs in public domain that are Christmas, all of these songs come up and you can use them oh, however wow. you want. Yeah, you have Lopez sing some of those. Lopez can't sing. That's the only problem. Um, so the other Make thing... Make him, though. They're a challenge. All right, so we have a special guest. Uh, her name is Ann Lewis Roberts coming in on Christmas... Eve, Eve. The Christmas Hi. show. Christmas. It's exciting to have her here because the whole show is really about what are you doing in 2020? Now, we've talked about film a lot. Uh, now we're going to be talking about non-scripted, which is her domain, She's also a writer in her own right. She writes scripts and stuff like that. But really, her bread and butter is in um, non-scripted. But welcome to the show, by the way. Thank you so much. Yeah. Welcome back, Anne. Welcome Excited back to the show. So what we want to get into is Anne's work, which is in selling ideas for non-scripted television. She has done some holiday stuff, which is kind of fun. It's, it fits right into what we're doing. So we'll talk about how she got that done. But the name of the show that you did for for Disney. Decorating Disney Holiday Magic. Decorating oh. Disney right. holiday, holiday Magic. magic. Who doesn't want to see that? I do. I do. What's uh so tell us about that show. What is that show about? Decorating Disney is about the transformation at the parks all over the the world actually from Halloween to Christmas. And we got to go behind the scenes on all the rides, all the, the hotels, and see how they do it. And it's hundreds of thousands of people who get together and, just, and make a map. The map starts the day after they take down the ornaments and everything from the year before, and they make a map about wow. how they're going to trans, you know, transform the parks. Because Christmas is a big deal yeah. at Disneyland. At Christmas is a big deal for everybody now, I think, across the board. All the theme parks do it. Yeah. But Disney was the original. How many nights or days does it take to transform from regular Disney to Halloween and from regular Disney to Christmas? Here's the secret. You guys don't know it, but they start in August and they start putting out a little teeny bit each day. Uh, and you think it's not Christmas, but it's just a build up. It's like garland goes yeah, up. Yeah, a little more red goes over here, a little more green goes oh, wow. over here. And then the day after Halloween, mm-hmm. or that night, everybody comes in and they it's a 24-hour situation, but eight of it happens when no one's there. But they, they won't close the park. So for eight, like the second it closes, and here's another secret, you are never kicked out of the parks, right? So you could, the park could close at 11 or 12, but if you're wandering around, that's true. Yeah, that's true. looking at things, no one is ever going to kick you out. So they can't really? start until, yeah, if you go with your family yeah, that's yeah. True. and you I've are wandering yeah, and mm-hmm. looking through windows, they'll sort of be behind you, but they want you to have a good time. And if it's eye candy, they won't kick you out. So sometimes they're sitting around waiting. They're like 50 bulldozers and bringing in the big tree. But, you know, there's people going, la, 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 I'm yeah. hanging out. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So 24 hours to Christmas eyes the entire park? I want to say over six weeks they do it, but there is one big massive night after Halloween is over. For example, the castle, the turrets. 
that night they bring in turrets that have snow and icicles all over them. So they'll bring in a bunch of huge cranes. And in wow. that eight-hour chunk, the castle will go from not Christmas to a complete winter wonderland. So by the time Halloween comes around, what percentage of Christmas is up by Halloween? It's it's about 20% because oh, so they don't want much. you to notice right. it. Okay, no. so not that much. So, that, no. so that in that eight-hour period, like a ton of work happens. Massive right? amount. We were let into the Haunted Mansion and Carlos with a K has worked there and overseen the transformation there for 10 years. And Carlos with a K... Of just the... Well, haunted mansion well that's one that's his big thing because he works in the in in um imagineering for food so there's somebody who a year in advance is thinking what is the christmas food we're gonna have next year wow and so you know all the little for the beignets have you know little christmas themes and they'll probably have a star wars christmas theme this year because that's fine but carlos with a k does the gingerbread house inside the haunted mansion. I don't know if you you know the dining room where all the yeah, the, sure. the ghosts are. So they put a uh, a gingerbread house there every single year, and that gingerbread house is new, and it's done from August on. They start making the gingerbread from August on, and it's the biggest thing ever. And that's the cool part about uh, decorating Disney. I'm like, why don't you guys have a sign out and show tell everybody how much you do? And you know, like they're like, we just do this because it makes people happy. Yeah. But Carlos goes in and with his kids. They put a couple of hidden Mickeys around it that only he and his two daughters know about. Oh. Carlos with the K. I like Carlos, Carlos with the K. K. I like and Carlos with the K. And his daughter is now gonna is in Taking in over? the business, and she's gonna take over for Carlos. That's, oh, her, that's, that's cool. where she wants to go. Let's just say that as a producer, you need to love your projects. Oh my god! I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure <laughs> Anne loves <laughs> decorating Disney. Yeah. right? Because we keep coming back favorite. to it. Yeah. That's, I, I, I mean, don't blame you. Yeah, but I mean, for months and months and months, they're. There people are getting cast for the Christmas parade and the Christmas dances and being taught new things. So all that stuff's happening all year long. But really, the stuff that you see, the 10,000 poinsettias, you know, all that stuff happens in that eight hour chunk. And if people want to see decorating Disney holiday magic... Is there somewhere to see that? Yeah, it's actually, it is on Disney Plus. So if you are have that streamer, you can search and find it. And then it airs on Freeform, which, who originally commissioned it. And they play it a couple times through the year. We did it a year ago. Whoopi Goldberg hosted it and Sophia Carson. That's pretty cool. So what we wanted to get into is how these ideas come to fruition, how it goes from an idea to you produce exec producing it and you working with Disney or whoever freeform or whoever. How do the how does that happen? Well, I think the fundamental difference in non-scripted and film is that 90% of unscripted projects are commissioned are a network pays you to do it. You don't do it first. Yeah. So their input you come up with an idea and you you pitch it and then I think each network or streamer says, okay, you know what, I love that idea and, and what's our version of it? So you, you don't, you know, it's not one size fits all, but then they do take the risk and they pay for the production and you do it together and then you know it has a distribution channel. It is going to end up on their air. So you're not, you're not worried about where it's going to go. You're worried about making it hit for that audience right. so that that audience is thrilled and stays and comes back. You now have an HGTV show that you're doing. Uh, does HGTV have like different rules from other networks? And as a producer, do you have, a, have to adapt to those rules? Absolutely. Oh, wow. um, so storytelling changes from network to network. Yes. 
And I would say it's everything from the tone of the project, the budget, the way they set up the budget, the way they like to set up the schedules, the type of talent that they want. So it's a lifestyle transformation show, um, which you see those all over. Mm. Um, But HG has a really fun, specific way that they have cornered the market on to make audiences really enjoy that transformation. Whether you're going to redo your house or not, you could sit down and watch that show and enjoy the humor or the eye candy or the satisfaction of in one hour something's going to go from soup to nuts by the end of it you're going to be like all is right with the world (laughs) Um, which you don't feel if you're watching a game of thrones i don't feel like it's all is right Right. with the world when i get to the end of it but definitely these kind of shows i love those shows they make me feel good but that's like we were talking about earlier about films like each one has like netflix is different than freeform and different than so it's the same thing in the unscripted you have to be flexible and collaborative it seems in both mediums so that everyone gets what they want the network the producers the ideas you know there's a lot of people involved in what you're doing actually there are likely more people involved in approving things than in film it depends on what network it is and the culture there and how many layers you have but i do think it's also incumbent on producers to still be creative and think out of the box and disruption and all those crazy words that people say and you're like, oh, don't say that word. But it is our job to come up with new things because yeah. they're also looking for creativity and new things. If they knew, if they had every answer, they would just sit there and shut us all out and say, oh, yeah. we'll, we'll do it ourselves. We'll do the producing and write the check and put it on the air. Yeah. But they're hoping we come up with stuff. So you don't want to go in and be like, hey, I just ripped off the six formats you have and I'm giving you the same exact thing, but it's purple. You know, it is still our job. Even though you know what Netflix wants, you know what, you know, HGTV wants, you know what Freeform wants, you still have to put a twist on it, get what's next, what's yeah. new. Yeah. And give, it your, give it your, yeah, your flavor. Obviously, when you walk into room as Ann Lewis Roberts, the executive producer, and pitch something... <laughs> It's different than a young producer that doesn't have that much experience in television walking into a room and pitching something. For people who are listening, if you're a new content provider and you've come up with an idea for HGTV, for Freeform, for whomever, what is the easiest way to get your project made in the current market? And just to speak to what you first said, I think if I do have any leverage with people that I pitch to, it's really just when you do a, res- a project, being respectful and hardworking and showing up. I mean, it's always my theme. If you do a good job for somebody yeah. and you work hard, um, there's a comfort level because each of these, t- it, whenever you partner up, it's like a blind date and your yeah. date could be psycho <laughs> and that's not what you want, right? You're writing them a check and they're going to run away with your check and they're either going to be respectful of it and work hard or they're going to be, you know, you know, not. Right. And it, and when it happens that they aren't, you know, you again, you never work with that person again, but yeah. you can't get back that moment in time or that great idea that y'all had that didn't work. And, you know, that happens a lot. So I think, again, if I have any leverage, it's just over time working with people and delivering and, and doing my best to not disappoint any of us. But there are times when, you know, you know, I, when I worked at Entertainment Giant and Access Hollywood, I would go in and pitch things. And if I, and because I was the magazine girl, anything in that genre, people were like, okay, great. Yeah. Talk magazine. But if I went to the right of it a little bit, they were like, oh yeah, you know, we need somebody who does that thing. So if you pitched an idea that was not magazine style 
um, show, they would be less likely to take your pitch as something that they would make because you just had no experience in that according to your credits. Right. And, and, and again, I feel like anybody who works at uh, news or entertainment tonight or access Hollywood, of course I feel like this because this is where I came from, but I'm like, we cut millions of things and we wrote about every genre, but, but again, that the new person doesn't have any comfort with you. They're like, Hey, we're going to do the person who did 50 yeah. game shows, you know, and you've not done a game show yet. So you kind of have to each time you're proving yourself, you know, then I did a game show and everyone was like, oh, you're a game show lady. So you add to your toolbox, you get to have a game show to it. And so I have found rather than be stopped by that, you do what you guys do. You know, you package something. Right now, I'm not a show running executive producer. I'm the bring it all together executive producer. So if I have something that I know I don't have a huge track record with, I'll go and find whoever I think is the most kick ass in that particular genre and I'll start I'll see if that person's available if they respond to the idea showrunners are are important and I think um, talent's important and I think it's important to go after the best why not people like to work that's great do you think a straighter line to someone with an idea that hasn't doesn't have that much experience would be to go meet with a production company like critical content or like Roberts media. Is it better to pitch a company like that, that has the contacts and then have them package? And you know, you, you have to take sort of a back seat, but it's part of the building process of also becoming a producer and not scripted. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. If you have an idea and it's your first one or your first couple one, your job is to get your foot in the door by hook or by crook however you do it and it doesn't matter because you need credits mm. so your job is to get in the door so if you're if it's your one and only idea that you've ever had and you think you're never going to have other ideas then you're you probably should not do this thing for a living because you have <laughs> we've been talking yeah. about yeah, this yeah you got to give you got to give it away to get in the door to get your credit and your foundation and move forward so if i was had an idea i would immediately get uh, you know on the World Wide Web, and I would say, who has done that thing at the highest level? I'd find out, do they have a company? If they have a company, I would go and I would call that company, cold call it, and say, hey, I have an idea. I'd love to partner with you guys. Who's your development person? Can I come in and pitch them? And there is a development person at most companies, Mark Burnett's company, you know, our company, who will take your pitch. You may not get to the president of the company, but sometimes it's awesome to go into the development person because the development person is looking for their nut too. They want, yeah. you know, they're like, what can I bring to my boss so I can shine? Mm. You go in, you sign away all your rights, mm. you own nothing, and you should be super happy about that. Because again, if it's getting you in the door, then the next time either you liked working with that company and it felt good, or you felt not so good, then you at least you have a credit and you can go to the next company and you said, hey, I did American Idol, no. Or I did, <laughs> you know, whatever it was, Barnyard Builders, and, um, you know, and this time I want to have some leverage this time. I'd like to be a producer on it because last time you watched everything they did and you sort of figured out, Hey, how do I fit in? So it's a, I think it's a series of, of steps. And then at one point it's like shoots and ladders, something really amazing happens and you go, and because of something you've done, you get to the next level. Also, every time you meet with someone, those 10 people disband and go to 12 other companies and they're going to remember like, Hey, I like that guy with those ideas. Go to anybody you can get to and you can find people. Now you can, uh, you can look up credits, you know, who's the number two on a show. Maybe the number two is going to be more likely to talk to me than the number one. So, you know, sorry. And you can look up people's information and you can get to them, but partnering, 
uh, and giving it away in the beginning is is the way way to go. And um, see, Roberts, I told you, give it away. Give it away. So let's talk about this. So ExtremeMusic.com, if you're doing a movie or a TV show or whatever, and you're do- you had a Christmas theme, yeah. I'm going to go on here right now and check out the Christmas, see if there's anything. Decorating Disney is all extreme. Is music, it really? Is way. it really? Yes. I did not know that. That's yeah. awesome. I'm sure. We love them. Thanks, Russell and Manuel. Thanks, Russ. Thanks, Russ. <laughs> Appreciate you. Good looking out, Russ. So check it out. Uh, Holiday Hootenanny. That's one album. There's Santa's Girl. There's Epic Christmas. Let's li- oh, Winter with Juanita. Oh, really? Winter with Juanita. Shall we listen to uh, a track from yeah, Winter? Yeah, let's hear it. Okay. So, oh, this one's called Sexy Santa. <laughs> I like that one. Um, there's also songs that are public domain that I think you could record with your cast or you can go to extrememusic.com and here's Silent Night which is in the public domain that they've already recorded that you can buy from them that's ghostly that's, that's, that is right, that's ghostly um They've got Angels We Have Heard on High. Let's listen to this one real fast. Hark the herald angels sing Glory to That's sweet. I like that. All right. All right. So these songs... Oh, feel good for you? Yeah, these songs composers took and gave them a new arrangement, put some voices on. You can go here to extrememusic.com, look for Christmas... Any of these Christmas songs, you don't obviously you don't have to pay for the um, song rights because they are in the public domain for some of these songs. Mo- actually, most of them, and some there's brand new Christmas songs. If you don't want to use an old classic, you can use one of the ones that they uh, that they have created. Um, but this encompasses all of it. So therefore, if you pick up that song that I just played, "Angels We Have Heard on High." You pay for the rights here at ExtremeMusic.com, and then you don't have to deal with rights anymore. That's it. You pay them, and you create a music cue That's sheet, a pretty good deal and you move on. But there's hundreds, maybe thousands of Christmas songs on here. Some of them you know. Some of them you don't. Some of them are brand new. And, I mean, I, it's funny because I didn't think about this till you guys got here this morning that let's see if Russ has any... Christmas music. music on here, and there's tons of it. So, again, extrememusic.com, doing it all and uh, handling your Christmas needs for anything. So, if you're, you're going to go on. indie film, you want to use your own music, bam, right here. Boom. Well, if you're doing a Christmas scene or if you're doing yeah. Christmas stuff, he'll, you know, that sounded like the Pentatonics as far yeah. as I'm concerned. That was, they were good. I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. So, extreme music. It's a very, yeah, it's a very cool thing. So, hats off. Uh, happy holidays to everyone at Extreme Music and uh, Russell Emanuel for supporting us. We appreciate uh, you being, and he's coming back. He's going to be with us next Perfect. year. Um, okay, cool. So, I think the takeaway from this show is maybe in 2020, don't be so attached to your product, you know, your ideas. Get out there, partner with people, get it made, get a credit, and create more stuff. See how it's done. And figure out if you can do it on your own next time. Or at least make the contacts so that you have the contacts to pitch other people. But, you know, it's not going to always work out. You know, you can pitch 30 people and maybe only one of them is going to say, like, I really like you. I like your ideas. So make sure that you're out there doing it as much as possible. Cold calling, like Ann said, is a really 
decent thing to do. And don't, you know, sometimes I, I look, my advice has been go to the top and trickle down. Um, but I usually am able to lead with one of the projects I've done that people know. If you don't have a known project, just go to the uh, development person. Sometimes assistants in a couple of years are going to be in yeah. charge. Yeah. I've seen yeah. that a lot in 30 years, you know, that sometimes those people that are answering the phone end up being the people in charge of the network. And um, sometimes it's just flexing that muscle, right? Just getting over the first meeting and then the second meeting and then it doesn't feel so daunting anymore, but in, it's just starting. So we covered a lot of stuff this year. What advice would you give uh, anybody working, like trying to do something positive in the new year with non-scripted? What could you say that, you, that would help them focus this year on getting it done? I would say you got to do your research too. You can't go in and pitch something to HGTV that really belongs on Netflix or you can't, you know, yeah. go pitch something to a, a male skewing channel. You know, people are like, I know what's on history. You actually have to watch what's on the history channel right now and don't remember what was on it 20 years ago because they probably canceled everything from, you know, the last time you saw the channel. So do the work, look up what's on the channel, see what's been canceled. Don't go pitch something they already have. Don't go pitch something that's their big property. Like you're not going to want to pitch ABC, American Idol with, um, you know, from another country. They already have American Idol. So you do have to do, you have to make sure if you get your foot in the door, that what you're saying is valid. It's not. You're not going to just magically walk in there and impress everybody. You got to do do the work and make sure you know. Along those lines, if you watch a network and like it a lot, there's a very good chance that they're making changes right at that moment. So another thing that's really important to do is Google the network that you're going to meet with, because there may have been a press release in the past couple of weeks saying where they're headed, and um, and you can find out a little bit about that. Maybe you could yeah. use that line if they say, "Where do you see this?" Well, I know you guys are changing the direction of your <laughs> That's right. programming. And you do. So maybe this could be- Oh, listen to you. Oh, That's a yeah. good pitch right you there. just planted that into their head. That's they go, wait a minute, are we changing? <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, let's do it. But then they they are like, oh my God, this person's thoughtful and respectful of us. It's yeah. not just somebody who, you know, got in the door. Like, And your friend Paul Buccieri does a really good job of it. I feel like he's in the news a lot trying to message to people because guess what? They don't want to take pitches that don't make sense. Right. It's why an assistant tries to force a log line out of you before you come in the door it's why paul buccieri you know who's this president of a suite of channels is always saying hey here's what we're looking for because they're hoping to cut to the chase to get more great ideas yeah. you know Pickety's. let's get them on the show Pickety's. Pickety's. um well this was a really cool show we sort of covered a lot of um, interesting subjects those italian cookies were amazing the italian cookies That's from I- Zia. oh so good it's been a great year. I'm very grateful to have done the show with you guys. Thank it's you been a lot of so fun. Much, thank you, man, think for you being on the show. You didn't want to do this show, Robert. To think I had to like. I didn't. I quit once. Twist. You did quit. Quit once. And you um, realized. Thank you, Anne, for being a special guest today. And, and a wonderful host. Me, and a so wonderful much. host. Thank you so much. Um, and We're married, by the way. We are. Yes. Married. Oh, finally. Oh, 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 you are. Yeah. Oh. And Lewis Roberts is married to Mark Roberts. Oh. <laughs> And definitely my better half. What a lucky guy. Yeah. I agree. Thank you guys very much. I'm very grateful for my life and my wife and my kids. Davey Dave, have a great uh, end of the year. Have a great Christmas. Appreciate you You, guys. Thank you, you, buddy. Appreciate it. Thanks, Rod. All right. See you next time. Well, I'm still scared. Let's go. Let's go to Disneyland today. Let's go to Disneyland. You guys want to jump in the car? Let's go. I love it there, especially this time of the year.